Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. go with me to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. Uh, We're in the series that we've been in for the last number of weeks uh, called A Great Work, A Great Work. Uh, It's 9 a.m., it's rainy, Uh, the room feels a little bit somber, maybe a little bit sleepy, I won't use that word. Uh, So let's just make sure that we're we're all awake. Uh, We don't always do this because this isn't kids' ministry, Um, but, but everybody just repeat after me, just say A Great Work. Oh, that was, that was vivacious, a great work. We're in the series called A Great Work, and we've been talking about the local church. We've been talking about how the local church is not just a good thing. It's not just something that we've come up with because it's a noble thing for us to gather and for us to sing songs and open the scripture. And No, no, it, it's, it's actually, it's a God thing. That church is God's idea. It is God's design. And we've been talking about how church, it is eternally significant because the church is God's, uh, it's his instrument. It's a tool in his hand, so to speak, that he is using to accomplish his purposes in the earth today. And we've talked about how the church, it is a corporate gathering of believers. So part of the reason we exist is so we can gather together corporately and we can lift our hands and lift our voices and and we can worship God and we can encourage one another and serve one another. And part of our gathering or part of the reason we exist is a corporate gathering. We've also talked about how part of the reason the church exists is because uh, we're, we're a home, we're a place where God can send people and they can find safety and refuge and people can come and in this house, in this place, be established in God, whether for the first time or be established again. That in a place like this, they can experience the love and the life and the presence of Jesus. They can be surrounded by a community of believers who not only love them, but will with open arms embrace them and help them to find freedom and healing and discover new life and purpose. We're, we're a corporate gathering, yes, but we're also, we're a home and we're a hospital for people. But not only that, the church is the hands and feet of Jesus called by God to not just stay in here, but to go out there and to leverage everything we have to reach a lost and a broken world with the gospel, the good news that there is hope and his name is Jesus. The, the church is not just a good thing. Ah, well, you know, it's, it's Sunday. We live in South Carolina, maybe North Carolina, depending on where you live. And, you know, it's the Bible Belt. We should probably go ahead and, no, no, no. This is, this is a great work. And we've been using the book of Nehemiah and Ezra as the book of Nehemiah and Ezra and really a little bit of Haggai. They're all connected in this story of God's people who were in captivity. They were in Babylonian captivity. And as the Lord delivered them from that, uh, they, they journeyed back to Jerusalem, and Ezra talks about the rebuilding of the temple, whereas Nehemiah talks about the rebuilding of the walls. And we've been using these books as, as a very practical way to connect the dots that God has called you and I very much to do the same thing. Romans 12 says that every single one of us, we have gifts and abilities and grace given to us by God, not just for the purpose of dominating corporate America, not just for the purpose 
of doing all the things that we could hope and dream. But he's given us gifts and abilities and he's given us grace so that we can use them to build his house. We can use them to build his body. We can use them to build the church and to reach people who are far from God. And we've been using these books talking about how just like they were practically physically drill, hammer, ladder, building something that in a spiritual way, God has called us to be joined together to build something significant and great that people might be established and people might be reached. We said this a couple of times, but we are not, we're not building programs. We're not building ministries. We're not doing services so people can come and be an audience or people can come and serve them. Hey, we got this great idea. We're going to need 35 volunteers. Who can we get? No, we're not doing that. But we're doing everything that we're doing, programs and ministries and gatherings like this for the purpose of worshiping God and serving people. We exist to worship God and serve people. And we've been talking through Ezra and Nehemiah that all of us, like we see in these, these, uh, these verses, that we, we got to ask God to shift something in our heart that we would get a burden for God's house. We'd get a burden for the things of God. That this wouldn't be a casual thing. We'd recognize the eternal significance of it and something would shift in our heart. Been talking about how we we gotta not just talk about it, we gotta be about it. And we gotta make a move and use what God's given us to practically, how can I be involved? How can I contribute? How how, how can I play my part? Uh, We talked about standing our ground. Isn't it the most frustrating thing when you just start doing something you've always wanted to do and something happens that knocks you off the proverbial horse? This happened to you? I got really into running for like a minute this fall. And, and, and then I got sick. And um, I, I was like in a group chat of all these you know, friends of mine that were all running. And um, after I got sick and I stopped running, they stopped texting me. And I'm like, I see how it is. You got a new group chat. I don't want this group chat anyways. Delete. But I, I was frustrated because I, I was, man, I'm finding my groove. And then I got sick and it knocked me off the horse and I haven't ran a step since. But, but that happens. And we start getting involved. We start serving. We start using what God's given us. And life, dare I say, the enemy has a way of just pushing us off that horse. And, and we, we got to learn to go, no, I'm going to stand my ground. No, hey, God, God's given me something. He's put something good in my hands, something good in my heart. I'm going to stand my ground and keep on doing the thing that God's called me to. And last week, Pastor Gil preached this message so good, just about the blessed life. And how all through scripture, what you will find is that the blessed life is not one that is defined by material gain. It's not excluding that, but the blessed life, it's this life with joy and fulfillment and contentment and this internal blessing that overflows to the outside and how the scripture says, this is the blessed life. It's the one that has given themselves to the things of God, to use what they have to build God's house and advance God's kingdom. That's the blessed life. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things you want, you're worried about, right? God will freely and generously add them to you. Now, I took you through all that because we've been in this series and we've been talking about very practically getting involved, using our gift. But what I want to shift this morning, and uh, it's not identified on the screen, nor are we going to identify it like this in any other way. But I'll just say so you know, we're kind of making a shift in starting what you could call part two to this series this morning. Because we're going to shift from talking about the practical 
and begin this morning talking about the spiritual. Because here's one of the things you need to know about God and about these books is that God is not most interested in the tangible, practical things that are here today and will be gone tomorrow. God wasn't most excited and passionate. Oh, thank, thank me. I was going to say thank God, but that would not be appropriate. And also God is God. Um, Thank me. Finally, my house is built. Oh, I was really concerned about not having a place to vacation when I come to earth. And that's not, that's not, not what, oh, thank goodness that the walls are built. No, God, that's not what God's concern is. God's primary concern is always the internal and the eternal. We focus so much on the tangible and the practical, which, which is, is not bad in itself, but, but we must not forget that God's primary concern, it's not the outside, it's the inside. God's primary concern was not the building of a house, the building of a temple or the building of walls, but it was the establishment again of his people. And what you see happen in Ezra and Nehemiah, and we don't have time to read through all the books, but what you see happen is there is a shift. And they get these, these things built and God goes, okay, now, now it's time for what I'm really after. And that is the spiritual renewal and reform of my people. My people who were far, my people who had walked away, my people who, it is time now for us to come back and be reestablished again as the people of God. And I I just really want to encourage you. We just so have a sense as a teaching team, and I say that because it's not just my sense or just Pastor Gill's sense, but it's just a sense as a teaching team, our pastors across our different campuses, that that these next number of weeks as we head into the new year, that, that there's something significant about them. That these are not just sermons, but rather we really have a sense these are words from the Lord that God is trying to get our attention and God is trying to position us and posture us to do a deep work on the inside. Do we want everyone to realize that they have a part to play and be involved and be passionate? Absolutely. But even more so, do we want everyone who's a part of our community to experience and allow God to do a deep work within them above all else? Absolutely. Because God, again, he's after the, the internal and the eternal. I ask you to turn with me to the uh, book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. By, by the way, just r- really quick, just in, in, insert. Um, I, I want to pastorally just encourage you. If you're a part of our church, I don't know if maybe you're visiting, or, but if you're a part of our church, uh, that you would consider starting to bring a physical Bible and a physical journal when, when you come to church. Um, and here, here's why I want to encourage you with that. One of the primary meanings of the word disciple, which by the way, Jesus is not after fans or just followers. He said, go and make disciples. He's called you and I to be disciples. And one of the primary definitions or meanings of the word disciple is to be a student. It's to be a learner. And and I'll just say this. There's nothing necessarily more holy or more spiritual about having a physical Bible as opposed to an electronic Bible. Uh, there's, There's nothing that happens, you know, supernaturally in a black ink pen as opposed to your Apple pen. But, but I just want to encourage you that you would consider bringing a Bible and bringing a journal. And, and here's why. Be, because it's about the posture of our heart. Uh, I, I used to be just a stickler like Bibles and journals. We, when I was a youth pastor, uh, we had like a student leadership team. 
And I'm like, Bibles, and if you're on the team, you're bringing Bibles and journals, you're taking notes. And, and I was probably a little bit too far over here. But, but I don't know, in the last couple of years, I've kind of just drifted. And there's a lot of Sundays that I come and I sit and receive, but I don't have anything in my hand. I'm listening. And, but, but as we've been talking about this, I just got my heart stirred again. And last week, I sat there on the front row. And not because the sermon was something that was, you know, absolutely out of this world. And it was a great sermon, but it wasn't like it was like this experience. But I sat there and I took seven pages of notes. Just felt like God was just speaking to me. And, and here, here's what I know for, for, for my life. It wasn't because of anything different happened that Sunday. It wasn't because God was more, it's because my heart was postured differently. Something shifted when I actually made sure I had these things in my hand and I sat down and, we, and I opened the scripture because something in my heart said, today, I'm a student. God, today, I'm here to not just listen, I'm here to receive and God, how can I say that I'm here to receive deeply from you with an expectation that you will speak to me today if, if I have no intention of writing anything down and, and leaning in? So I just pastorally want to encourage you. Jenny talked about the journals. Uh, we're going to talk about the scripture today, and I'd encourage you to get a journal or some sort of a journal, whether it's electronic or physical, and you start engaging the weekly teaching. Someone said Amen. All right, Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. I'll warn you on the front side, I asked Pastor Gil before the service, how do you pronounce really difficult biblical names when you're unsure? And um, he said, you just try your best. And so I'm, I'm warning, I'm going to try my best, uh, but uh, it might not be great. So Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, here's what it says. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand, and listen to this, verse 3, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on the platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood Matthiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hikliah, uh, Messiah, and at his left, Padiah, Mishael, Melijah, Hashem, Hashabena, Zechariah, and Mesthulam. Don't judge me. And verse 5, and Ezra opened the book of the sight, opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered. I love this verse six. Listen to the response. Ezra's reading the law. Their ears are attentively listening. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting their hands and bowing their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Beni, Sherebiah, Jamin, Aklub, Shabbati had a and so on and so forth. And the Levites, it is what it is. And the Levites helped the people, all of these leaders in the Levites, helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book of the law. 
and in the law of God, and they gave the, the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So Ezra's reading, and the people are listening attentively, but then leaders are com- coming around, and leaders are helping people to understand, helping people to, 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 to know and to understand how to apply this and what God's saying. So they read distinctly from the book, and uh, from the book in the law of God, and they gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, last verse, Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. So do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And we could go on, but we will conclude right there. If you're taking notes or you're just interested, the title of the sermon today simply is this, Bring Back the Bible. Bring back the Bible. Bring back the Bible. Have you noticed that life just has a way, if you're not careful, of causing you to drift? That that life in itself, if you're not careful, it's much easier to float downstream than fight your way upstream. And and we could list probably a thousand plus reasons as to why that is, but it's just the reality that in every area of life, if we're not careful, there is a drift. For for example, think about disciplines. Now, I know it's the holiday season, so we're not talking about diet or exercise. So think of of a different discipline. But there's disciplines that maybe at one point you had that discipline. I was locked in. I was routine. I I developed this habit, this discipline in a certain area. And then you, you miss a few days. Life gets busy, you have kids, something comes up, a few days turns into a week, which turns into a couple weeks, which turns into a couple months, and here you are years later going, yeah, back in the day I used to, and it, it, you, you just drift. What about convictions? You have anything that you used to just be really convicted about that you're kind of apathetic towards now? You, you used to say, I'll go to battle for this because I believe, but again, life just has a way of kind of wearing you out and wearing you down. And what about relationships? Pastor Janine, we sat last night talking about a certain relationship that both of us, uh, we just get sad when we think about because at one point we were so close and, and we so cherished this relationship, but just time and space to nobody's fault. Seasons change and we just go, oh man, it makes us sad to think about this relationship because oh, we, we so miss the closeness we had, but but you know it's true in relationships that you know someone says something or something happens and again a day turns into a week which turns into a month and all of a sudden what once was a close connected rela- relationship is now something that is a it, it's a distant memory be- because it is, is drifted. And I think one of the areas that we, we can all agree is the case but we don't really want to talk about is the reality that for, for many people if we're not careful we can drift from really being Bible people. Here's, here's what I mean. I don't mean that we don't believe the Bible. And I don't mean that we don't occasionally maybe read the Bible devotionally. I don't mean that we're not doing the best we can to you know, just live a good moral Christian life. But, but, but what I mean is we can drift from being people that, that we have a pure love and passion and desire for the Scripture. We have a pure love and desire and a passion for our life and our heart to be filled with the scripture. We, 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 if we're not careful, we, we drift from that belief that the Bible really is telling the truth. Here's, here's what I found. I've been in pastoral ministry for 15 years now. 
And what I found is that in myself and in others, sometimes the hardest people to pastor are the most spiritual godly people. Because if we're not careful, we we can get to a certain point where we're so learned and we know so much and we have reached a certain level that we would call maturity that all of a sudden things just don't apply to us like they used to apply to us. I was talking to a guy recently and um, this man had biceps bigger than the tires on my car. And, and he's sitting there and, and we're talking. I mean, this, he probably had, you know, a 35 pack. He's just, he's, the man looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, um, and we're just talking about just fitness. And, and I said, so what's your diet like? And he goes, oh, it's the worst. He said, I, I, I don't eat anything healthy. I eat. And I'm thinking like, th- that's kind of how, how we get sometimes in our mind. Oh, yeah, no, I've, I've reached a certain level where this doesn't affect me anymore. Well, no, I know the scripture says this, but I mean, for, for me, I've kind of matured past that. And we, we lose this, this pure belief in, no, but this is what the scripture says. And I'm living my life line by line, precept by precept, not legalistically, but because I'm, I'm in love with God and I'm in love with his, with his ways, with his word. We, we lose this passion to say, God, I want to know you and see you, and I want to hear you through the scripture. And if we're not careful, we can just, we, we, we can drift. And, and again, before we know it, it's not that we don't believe the Bible. It's not that we don't read the Bible. It's just that we're, we're not Bible people like the scripture calls us to be, nor are we Bible people like maybe we once were. This is what we see in, in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, you got to remember, this sacred assembly that we just read about was, was a sacred assembly that really was a mixed group. If you think about it, there's people in this group who are, who are elderly people who 70 years in Babylonian captivity, they, they, were, uh, they had spent most of their life in captivity and were raised by parents and grandparents who were probably the ones who were disobedient and walked away from the ways of God, and they were suffering the consequences. You have in this sacred assembly probably adults who now have children and families of their own who grew up maybe their entire life in captivity, kind of with an inkling that we're returning to the things of God, but they don't know and they don't experience what, what, what once was in Israel. You might have people in this assembly who had just been born, who were teenagers or who, who were younger, who they'd been born out of captivity, but still they'd never experienced Israel and their family and their people serving God like we read about in generations past. Very much so this morning, we probably have a mixed group, right? There's probably people in this room this morning that you're going, no, this doesn't fully apply to me because, no, I'm a Bible man. I'm a Bible woman. There might be people here that you go, no, it kind of relates because if I'm honest, I've just drifted. Maybe there's people that you go, honestly, I've never even been a Bible person. And, and in this assembly, what we see is God calls all of his people together. And here's what he does. He unifies them in bringing them back to the, the word of God. You can go back to Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one. We'll just read this. It says, now all the people gathered together as one man. So we are unifying ourselves as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, Ezra, Bring the Bible back. Ezra, bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest, he brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Verse three, and then he read from it in the open square 
that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive. They were, they were leaning in. They were listening. If you were to say, Brandon, what do you feel like uh, a, a word from the Lord or a right now word is for our church? I'll tell you what it is, that we need to give ourselves again freshly and fully to the word of God. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It is just the first thought this morning that I want you to capture. And, and it is that, that I believe God is calling us as a church to give ourselves freshly and fully to the word of God again. That like we see in the book of Nehemiah, where they're all called together and the law is read and they're leaning in, that we once again would be a people who with all of our heart would say, God, we're desperate for your word. God, 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 we need the words of life. Can I just remind you for a second what the Bible is? Because maybe you're here and, and you, you don't know this, but this is not just a book. This is not just an ordinary leather-bound black and red ink on a page, but this is a living, breathing book. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God, it is living. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen to this. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says this. For the word of God, every word in it, is inspired by God. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. And all scripture, it's given by the inspiration of God. So all scripture, cover to cover, front to back, was not just written by human hands, but it was written by men who were inspired by God. The Holy Spirit inspired these words. And all scripture, someone say all scripture. And all scripture, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I love this, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says, let me, let me remind you, Timothy, that these words, they're living words, that these words, they're breathing words. As one, one, one preacher said, you don't read the Bible, the Bible reads you. You, you open these and God begins to, to from the inside out, he, he begins to, to speak to you. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 would say, and what these words do is they, they tell us what to do. They tell us what not to do. They help us know what to do when we haven't been doing what we should be doing. They teach, they train our life in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I, I don't know about you, but I, I want to one day stand in front of Jesus and I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, I want to fully fulfill the call of God that's on my life. Here's what Paul says, Timothy, don't you forget this, that it is the words of God that will train you and equip you and fully equip you for the good work that God has for you. The Bible says this in uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, I, I believe it is, it was just up there. Um, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. 
In other words, this, this hunger, this love, this passion, it, it's not just for the spiritually elite. It's not just for the man or woman of God who's been serving God for 35 years. No, it's for those who, who just gave their life to Jesus yesterday. Peter writes, as newborn babes desire, hunger, crave the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And, and can I tell you, we, we don't just need to, to give ourselves fully to God's word to receive it, but you can write this down number two. We need to give ourselves to study and understand the word of God. We don't just need to freshly and fully give ourselves to, to receiving it, but to diligently seek to understand the word of God. I want to read this to you. Uh, I believe it is in Acts chapter Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Listen to what this says. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. Listen to this. And searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I love this passage. Speaking to a group of believers who didn't just receive the word, hey, great, great sermon, great Sunday. It was really inspiring, really appreciate it. But but they went home, for, for lack of better words, and they sat down. And the Bible says, and they searched the scripture daily as to find out whether or not these things were true. What we see in the book of Nehemiah, and we, we won't read the passage for time's sake, but that as the law is being read, leaders are coming around doing what? Helping the people to understand it. Hey, wh- why is it a big deal? that I should be in godly community? Why is it a big deal that I should carve out time in my schedule to be in a small group? Why is it a big deal that I should have Christian friends and intentionally talk about, because we need community to help us gain full understanding of the things God's speaking to us. Just, just this, this is a freebie, but remember that much of scripture, the New Testament in particular, were not written to individuals. You know that, right? that much of the New Testament was written to groups of people, was written to church communities. And they would read the scripture out loud and then the community would all go home in small groups and they would, they would talk about and help one another to fully understand and apply the words of, of God. In Nehemiah, they, they come around and they're helping them to to understand the scripture. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent, be diligent. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself to God approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly divides the word of truth. I was thinking about this passage and I thought about an illustration that Pastor Gill gave a long time ago. One of the best sermon illustrations or, or examples ever. And he, he, he said, why is it that um, being a Christian is the only area in life that you're allowed to have years of experience with no knowledge? Tr- try, try that where, wherever you work. Haven't you been here for 35 years? Yeah. But you, you don't, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. Hey, wait, haven't you been in the plumbing business for 15 years? Yeah. You, you don't know how to fix this? No, I don't, I don't. The only area that we somehow give ourselves for some reason permission to have years of experience, but no knowledge, see, seems to be our relationship with God in the scriptures. 
I was talking with someone recently and, and they said, yeah, you know, I've been serving God faithfully my whole life. I've never one time read, read the Bible. And, and there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, but I thought, isn't that so our culture though? Isn't that so our, our, our American culture? That, you know, I, I've been going to church my whole life. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've never one time, other than being in church, opened a Bible and read it with the intention of studying, learning, growing. Paul writes, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker doesn't need to be ashamed or embarrassed. Why? Because they can rightly divide and handle the word of truth. Last one I'll read to you. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 13 through 14, Paul speaks to Timothy and says, Timothy, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of eldership. But verse 14 or verse 15 rather, but meditate on these things. Give yourself to them entirely that your progress may be evident to all. And take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Paul says, Timothy, give yourself to the scripture with all that you have so that you would progress and you would grow and that in doing so, you yourself would be able to live a life of salvation in full, the life that God has for you, but, it, but, but, but also that you might be able to impart that to other people. We, we got to give ourselves freshly to God's word. We got to once again be people that say, no, God, we're studiers, we're students, we're disciples. And lastly, number three, you can write this down, but, but we got to be people who we practically and purposefully apply the word of God. We practically and purposefully apply the word of God. Nehemiah chapter, chapter eight, we'll read verse nine and we'll uh, conclude here. Nehemiah chapter, <clears throat> chapter eight, verse nine. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn and weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. What, what, what is that talking about? Remember, this is generations of plural who are, who are receiving God's word. And because it is generations plural, they're receiving God's word and it's hitting them differently. Some of them, it's, it's causing mourning and weeping because they can see how far they've drifted. I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but, but, but has God ever just woken you up in the middle of the night or, or you're, you're in a service or you're somewhere and all of a sudden it just hits you Oh. I've drifted far from where God, how did I get here? And there's people that, 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 that are in this, in this assembly who are weeping and mourning because they're overwhelmed with God. How did we get here? There's other people who are rejoicing and they're shouting and they're crying tears of joy. Oh, thank you, God, that even though we were far, you've redeemed us and rescued us and you're bringing us back. And here's what Nehemiah did. He goes, hey, like a, like a dad or mom in the minivan. Everybody stop crying. Has this ever happened to you? It, quiet time until we get there. Everybody stop the crying. Was Nehemiah being insensitive? No. But, but what you will read and find in this text is that they were about to, to reinstitute some of the feasts and some of the celebrations that had not been being held. 
And Nehemiah goes, guys, whoa. I understand there's some emotion here. But today's a holy day to the Lord. Tomorrow we will. Oh, trust me, we will tomorrow. We will confess sin. And we will bring our hearts before God and we will humble ourselves. But today, today we're partying. But today we are according to the law, this thing that we have done. Today we are putting this in place and we're holding the assembly, the the feast, the celebration that God has. Guys, stop the crying. Today is a holy day. Today is a day to feast. Today is a day to celebrate. And here's what we can glean from that, that there's an element to us coming back like the children of God in Nehemiah. There's an element to us coming back to God's word that we got to go, no, 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 no. I just need to get back to whatever. Emotions are good. They're gifts from God. But God, I'm not going to be led by my emotions anymore. God, I'm going to get back to just practically and purposefully just doing what you've asked me to do. Hey, how, 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 how come you guys are making that change in your house? Uh, yeah, we just realized that we've kind of drifted from what the scripture says. And are you guys like in a big crisis or no? Like, like everything's good. We just, man, God's given us some fresh revelation about how he's asked us to steward things. So we're just, we're, we're making some adjustments. We're, we're so used to doing this though, aren't we? When things are good, and life is good, no need to change anything. But yeah, but I mean, like it's not, you're not living totally what the, it's not a big deal though, man. God's grace is sufficient. Let's party. But, but then when, when times get tough and things are difficult and we feel broken, what do we do? We come back to call, call God. And we, how, 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 where do we miss God? I, 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 okay, that, right there. We got to get back to, and, and we live these roller coaster lives rather than just living these steady, stable, one foot in front of the other, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to practice practically and purposely say, God, whatever you've written in this book, whatever your word, whatever your law has commanded me, whatever you've spoken to me, we're just going to day by day, step by step, we're going to start living in what the Bible says. Heard a pastor say years ago, you want Bible days? What do you mean Bible days? You want to experience everything that that we read about in your life in a practical, tangible way, yeah, do what the Bible says. Bible days happen. Pastor Spencer led us in it. Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. The same God that that we read about, the same God that we sing about all, he's the same today that he was then. And if we want to experience Bible days in our midst, Bible days in our church, Bible days in our home, revival from the inside out, we got to get back to doing what the Bible says. No more cutting corners in our heart. No more reasoning and negotiating ourselves out of having to say, no, God, if you said it, I'm going to live it. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to give myself to it. No, we want, we want Bible days. And again, it's not that we, and I do mean generally, and so if you feel like this is not applicable because you have have never drifted, then thank you for enduring the sermon. But generally speaking, it's not that we have drifted to the point that we're anti-Bible, but isn't it just so easy 
Yeah, I mean, I still believe the Bible in spots, in pieces. Cut, cut a couple corners. I mean, yeah, I made that decision because it was just, you got to understand that we had to in the, the, I mean, the day we're living in. And I, mean, I, I think I still believe the Bible. I mean, I definitely still, still like read the scripture devotionally, occasionally. Yeah, I mean, like I'm still like living in what the Bible says. And, and it's so easy to allow life and our own flesh to cause us to just get downstream. And we're just, we're drifting. What, what, what's so interesting about drifting is you don't realize how far you're, you're drifting until you kind of do. I remember when we first moved out here, I took a trip to Myrtle Beach with some friends and um, I got in one of these little float things in, in the water and I was just enjoying it. And then I realized how did I get so, I don't think I can get back. The lifeguard, I, I realized because the lifeguard's blowing his whistle. Get back. I, I don't even know how I got this. But the Holy Spirit sometimes starts blowing his whistle, doesn't he? We go, I, I, how did I, how did we get here? How do, how do we, day by day, week by week, month by month, Year, and we just drift. And what's so scary is that we just kind of call it the, the, the new normal. What's even scarier, and I, I promise you we're, we're done right here, is that we, we chalk it up to maturity. Oh, I love people on social media right now that, that are chalking their drift up to maturity. You know, I've, I've really learned over the years, no, you've been very deceived over the years. That you're not growing in maturity, you're drifting in deception. And we got to get back to saying, God, we just want to be Bible people. Here's what I love about God, that God is so faithful, that he says in his word that we can put our hope in him because with him is abundant redemption. You might be here and you might be saying, man, I've, I've drifted so far. I'm overwhelmed borderline embarrassed and I've drifted far from who I know God's called me to be and from what the scripture says and I don't think I could ever get back I can't swim that far and God says oh no hope in me come 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 ask me because with me there is an abundant ability to redeem you and bring you back again this is why part of the assembly was rejoicing and, and crying tears of joy. Oh God, we were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. You didn't leave us, you didn't forsake us. You sent us your word and at the right time you brought us out of captivity into freedom and you're establishing us again. Oh God, you're so faithful. God's faithful today. And if anybody would call upon him, God, I need to repent. God, I need to ask for forgiveness. God, I need you to help me because I've drifted. And, and I want to get back to being that man, that woman who was a Bible person. Oh no, I, I love the Bible. I read the Bible. 
I give myself to the scripture. I'm seeking to understand it and I'm seeking to practically and purposefully apply it to my life. Oh, I'm a Bible person. God, I want to get back to being that person. Can I pray for you today? Lord, today I pray for every single person here under the sound of my voice. Lord, but I don't just pray for us as individuals, but I pray, God, for us as a church community. I, I, I pray for Lakeshore Christian Fellowship across all three of our campuses that Holy Spirit, in the same way you did in the book of Nehemiah, in the book of Ezra, that you would call and draw us back as a community to being Bible people. Oh, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would blow the whistle in every single one of our hearts that have drifted. Blow the whistle in every area where we've drifted. Blow the whistle and call us back again to the shore where you are ready to receive us with arms wide open, full of mercy and grace. Lord, I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit that it would lead to repentance and it would lead to us fully repenting and saying, God, we want to come back and again faithfully and fully give ourselves to the scripture. We want to study to understand the scripture and apply it to our lives. Oh God, we need you. We need you to help us. And so would you stir in our hearts and lives individually? Would you stir in our, in, in our community across all three campuses a love, a passion, and a devotion once again to the scripture? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask this morning if there's anybody here who uh, wants to today give their life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've drifted and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time in a long time. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to go home and clean yourself up and then come back next week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if there's anyone here who you've just drifted, but you say, oh, I'm, God is speaking to me and I want to today again commit my life to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just put your hand up? Every head bowed and every eye closed, just put your hand up so we can pray for you and pray with you. Lord, I thank you today for every person who's in the room. Thank you for every person watching online, God, that any, uh, the, any who you would call, that they would respond to you today and they would give themselves to you today in faith. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we stand this morning and respond one more time, singing a chorus or a worship song and Pastor Spencer will dismiss us in a moment. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.